You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of the world-famous Comedy Cellar on Sirius XM, Raw Dog 99, and we're coming at you from lockdown. This is Dan Natterman. Noam is here. Noam has decided that I should be doing the intros whilst on lockdown. I don't know why, but that's the way it's going to be. Noam, how do you do? Good, Dan. And Periel, of course, is here. Periel, our producer, Ashen Brand, and we have with us Chris Turner, Chris Turner is a name, if you're not familiar with him, get to know him. He's a British comedian and freestyle rapper based in Los Angeles, has won multiple awards. During 10 years of sellout shows at the, Ed- at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and I should mention, though it doesn't say this in the bio that Periel sent me, he does remind me a little bit of John Mulaney, which I think is uh, a good thing. That's very, very polite. You know, um, in, in he what, looked in a bit what, like Mulaney. Oh, thank you. you. I mean, your voice sounded a bit Mulaney-ish there. Well, well they oh. say that, yes. They say, I've been told that. But you look like Mulaney, and you have the youthful Mulaney look, and that's a good thing because... What a, what a lovely... just embraced him, though. They might do likewise with you. Yeah, <laughs> there was a moment in time for, when Mulaney first came around, it was like, oh, he's like a young Natterman. He reminds everybody of Natterman. And then it began to shift, and at some, at some horrible day, couldn't quite pinpoint it, all of a sudden Natter remind, Natterman reminded everybody of Mulaney. It well, it vocally perhaps, under his feet. Vo- vocally, perhaps, but Mulaney and I don't look anything alike. And I don't <laughs> know that our comedy is altogether similar, but we have a s- similar vocal style, I suppose. I have a, a friend who resents the fact that whenever he wears a suit on stage, people are like, oh, you're trying to be John Mulaney. And he's like, what, you mean wear a suit? Like all the comedians that wear suits? Well, so I think- done well locking down that brand. <laughs> well, you're trying to be like uh, Benny Hill. With that, British <laughs> yeah. accent. With that uh, accent. Regularly chase women around trees. <laughs> Chris, Chris Turner, I, I, I don't think we've ever met. I know you've been to the Comedy Cellar. You never met him? I don't believe I have, no. I don't, I don't think we've been on a, on a bill. Maybe I've met him and I thought it was Mulaney. <laughs> no, I, I don't believe we have, done. It's a pleasure to meet you. I, I have seen your work and I must say I was quite impressed and I'm not an easy person to impress. Thank you. Uh, mired as I am in my own bitterness. <laughs> but, um, you do, your, your comedy is not traditional stand-up. You do freestyle rap. I don't know if you also do traditional stand-up. Uh, I, I do traditional stand-up as well. So, But my, yeah, I, I'm not the best stand-up comedian. So I aim to be the, the best stand-up comedian who also freestyles. Make that really like specific niche and then dominate it. That's my. Well, I think that we had James Altucher on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Well, you know, if you can combine two things, um, that you create your own niche, and that way you can move, you can so advance quicker." It, that was his. We did I come into that conversation because that's we yes, had a two and a half a two and a half hour conversation about that on his show, and that was where I kind of realized he he painted it in a clearer way, but I hadn't realized that's what I've been doing. He's like, "Oh, you're just you know." making it so you're the best freestyling comedian. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what I have done. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a very clever Well, boy. I tried to do that just very briefly. I, 
I, I, I, you know, I did comedy in French. Um, I, oh. I had done comedy in French, and I figured, well, if I can't be the most well-known or the the best comedian in America, perhaps I can be the best comedian that speaks French, that's American, but whatever. But 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 um, I stopped doing it because the anxiety level was off the charts when I perform in French, because my French is 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 good, but not anywhere near native level. It's anyway, I had, this, I had a similar notion in mind that if I combine two things that I know how to do, then it could be all to, that much more beneficial. But in your case, I think it's working uh, better. Um, <laughs> I, 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 now, just, just let, let the people know who don't know you exactly what it is you do. You, I mean, yeah. I could explain it, but you might. No, it's, uh, I'll give them a, a pressy. I... A freestyle rap is a rap that is made up on the spot. That's the definition I use, right? It's off the dome. It's improvised. So I take in my live shows um, suggestions from the audience. This is the, the most basic format. Uh, and I'll be like, hey, what do you guys want to hear a rap about? And I'll usually push them to come up with some good suggestions, not just like, oh, rap about hot dogs and wolves. I'll get, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, aim big, like suggest about the double slit experiment or Afghani irrigation ditches. And people come through with suggestions and they'll be like, cool, rap about a day in the life of an Aztec high priest. And I take a bunch of these suggestions and then I go, okay, cool, let's do this. We, we drop a beat and I rap about them all for like three or four minutes. And the, the, the initial shock of, oh, actually, he's not bad at this, then hopefully gives way to, wow, he's genuinely quite good at this. And by the end of it, they're, they're super impressed. And it's can, we, can we play a little bit of one? What's, what's, I'm on your website. What's a good, what's a good video of yours on the yeah. website? Oh, a good video. I mean, I can find one, a recent one that's going to be- You know how to share the screen and everything on yours with the sound? I can definitely do that. Yeah, let me find the one that I was really proud of recently. Maybe if you could introduce the topics that were given you to make it a little quicker and then get into the rap. Good idea. Um, I'll find It's one of my favorite ones from recently. So let me just bring it it's up. It's amazing you can do that because in most of my Zoom meetings, everybody looks at me like I'm, I'm like, a, 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 like a, a, a witch doctor or something oh. when, I'm, when I share a video with sound. Like, how did you do that? People have, um, oh, actually, I may not have that setting allowed on my Zoom. Let me just check. Oh, I, I might have to make you a co-host. No, I no. probably don't. I'll just share the link to, let me find the time that it starts, and then I'll share the link. Although, tell me if you can hear this. You'll be able to hear the sound coming through in a second if I get this going. Uh, let's have a look. Can you hear? Okay, that's not going to work now. Um, I'll share. This is the link. Let me share it at the time that the rap starts. Okay, share it to Periel's email? Yeah, I'll send that. You know how to do it, Periel? Yeah, but I'd rather you do it. Right, send it to me real quick. Okay, cool. I'm just bringing up the... So j just to recap, what they do is the audience shouts out outrageous topics, not just like uh, airplanes, not, not simple topics. They do outrageous topics like uh, the, the Treaty of Paris or, you know... Uh, yeah, exactly. You know... Uh, 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 like collectivization in, 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 in Bolshevik Russia. I mean, just crazy shit. Yeah, you should come to my shows. Those would be amazing. Um, yeah, if I've shared that link there. I got it. Cool. And, and then he makes freestyle raps about all the different topics. So there'll be four or five topics or so. Yeah. And how many do we usually get? What's impressive is just remembering the topics in and of itself. In and of itself, I find impressive. Because these are wildly complicated. And most people could not... Just memorize the topics that were suggested to you. Most people could not memorize those topics. Believe me, I've worked with comedians preparing lines for auditions. They can't memorize anything. Right, yeah. So set up, set up this clip. Okay, so this clip, uh, it's, it's from a live show in LA, and the audience asked me to rap about uh, hot boxing. 
high tea, which is a British tradition, um, urinary tract infections, Martians and their antennae, and uh, Rosé the Rottweiler being left at home. That was the name of a dog of someone in the crowd. They were upset that the show was running long when they had a dog to get home to. So we yeah, Noam, you couldn't even name those things. He's going to rap about them after hearing it one time. Okay. So and you and when, you, when, you, when you think it's time to stop, you let me know. Yeah. So this is all... All improvised. You might want to unmute that as well. I think it's oh, sorry. <laughs> I just realized down on <laughs> right. Okay. And more volume on that for me as well. Thank you. And maybe we'll start with yours. My favorite meal of the day, y'all agree. Sit down and share with me a nice tray of high tea. Maybe get a china teapot. I gotta make sure that it's hot before the water starts to pour. Otherwise, the leaves don't unfurl. Where did you get it from? Somewhere in the third world. Probably India or China. Bringing all your family round. Never got the shy ones. I get a bit of white bread cutting off the crust. If you leave them on the edge of the bread, I don't trust you. I wanna make sure. They got cheese and maybe a little bit of cucumber Yes please, I will take a little scone With a bit of strawberry jam When it comes to high tea in England Everybody who feels on my team Come round and feast upon the tea with the queen Lizzie in a palace, she's got a lot of balance If you say the tea tastes bad, she pours malice on you Getting angry, looking at you crafty Like a little fox hot box in the backseat You can see me, what is the point? I'm kicking back, got a bong and I'm smoking a joint at the same time. Yeah, you know it won't harm you. Medicinal qualities inside the marijuana. I get the best grade coming from the hydroponic. I drink it in the back of my Dodge Dart on it. The I-10 Freeway 405. I be swerving so fast it's hard to stay alive. I'm following the Grateful Dead in a tour bus. All the law on the state, they abhor us. They don't like that we're driving illegally. It doesn't matter. You can get the weed and get it for free you don't need to bring your own if you hot box fog it in it's when you don't pass the joint around the little ring you need to go clockwise from the starting pass the duchy to the left hand side and the martians you don't notice they're up in the air they're like what is a joint we are not aware of these things yes it brings us all together i feel all of the love i can sense with antenna never seen them in the cartoon before Marvin the Martian from Looney Tunes He says, cause I've got antennae How do you not assume? Looking like tiny little bugs on the prowl If I saw a Martian in real life I would howl They've got the weird red skin And they felt kind of annoyed That the asteroid belt Stops them getting to Jupiter Like the wall between Mexico and here It's kind of a little thing I'll say again I made a nice comparison to illegal aliens yeah, we did that. You might ask me why. I feel. All right. So, well, you get the idea. I get. That's amazing. I have a lot of questions about that. Um, yeah. Go. So, first of all, is like how how much of that is calculated? For instance, when you when you when you hit, when you said I get annoyed because the asteroid da da da. Was that an intentional rhyme, even within the rhyme? A annoying oh. asteroid? Was that was none of none of it is ever. The, everything I'm saying is what I've immediately thought before. When you've done it long enough, the natural rhymes fall into place, and your brain emphasizes the like every word has so many syllables that you can just emphasize the syllables that match. Um, and like, so I would say very few of the rhymes are intentional. 
that it's because it's your subconscious brain just putting them out like people say oh when you're getting the suggestions from the crowd you're thinking up the rap in advance aren't you and that's not how it works if you try that you just stumble um you, you trip over yourself so it's just letting your brain put the words in like if i want to rap about you know whatever they suggested there's a way to make it rhyme. Like, I don't know, every word rhymes with every other word. I, I talk about how you can break words around into letters and syllables. Like, you know, the, the word factory has so many different rhymes in it. So you've got fact, tor, e, any of those syllables can rhyme. And then it has the letters F, A, C. They all rhyme differently, you know, so. So, so give, us some, give us some ways to rhyme on, on all the syllables of factory. Well, in the sense, like, what, if, what am I trying to rhyme it with? So someone's like, okay, rap about factory farming then your standard raps, right? And it's like I'm rapping about. I mean, I, I need to just demonstrate. Like, what do you want me to, what do yeah, you want yeah. me to talk about? And I'll just do it now, and then I'll show you. Give him some factory. Well, I, I bet you can't think of a rhyme about um, liking big butts and being honest. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is, Dan? Yeah, that's uh, sort of mixed <laughs> up. Yeah, I like so, so factory, if you had to say, it was in a factory, like factory. So give, um, give, give him some subject. Factory, some factory, subject. Uh, factory, uh, uh, Tesla's in a factory, making Tesla's in a factory. Okay, so like, like Tesla factory, okay. Um, I mean, this is just gonna be a little freestyle about it. So, uh, high-tech manufacturing, a whole lack of dust in the CEO office. There's Elon Musk, he's looking down at the floor, playing for all to see, he adoring all the workers at the factory, yeah. Married to Grimes, used to marry to an actor, Tallulah Riley, yeah, in the factor, E. And we can all agree that when you're in the factory, that's a nice fact to Ori for me. I mean, I'm just <laughs> showing you can fit each syllable of it rhymes at the end of a line. Like that's okay. very basic. So, okay, so the, so the first line you had dusk. So, so clearly you had must- Dust I was doing. Dust. Yeah, you don't need to rhyme with a- Yeah, but the first rhyme is the only one I think of in the second before. And I try and stop myself doing that more and more by- You did it again. A lot <laughs> of my before, freestyle. more and more, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> if you watch my freestyles, a lot of the time I don't come in with a perfect rhyme because that's me cheating. That's me having a second to think. I'll just say like, kick it off or here we go. Because that way I'm forcing myself to not think of anything, which then I think comes up with more original ideas. And like, I differ from a lot of freestyle rappers in that respect. Like a lot of people, if they're going to freestyle, they'll try and think of some rhymes they can come up with and some bars that will hit hard off the top. But I, I, I like it as a, a brain exercise. I like it as a demonstration of, hey, look what you can do with your brain if you just kind of let it. So can I ask when you, you said uh, un, with the T unfurled and it comes from the third world. Yeah. yeah. So you, you're obviously, how far in advance are you thinking of the furl and the world rhyme? Is it just at that very moment or like as you're doing the previous verse, you're thinking of um, what the hell rhymes with the world? No, it's at the moment. I'm not aiming to go anywhere. What, like sometimes, I'm like, oh, I'm talking about tea. So what do I know about tea? And I've got all this stuff in my head, but I'm not consciously taking notice of it. Like, oh, tea comes from India and China. And so if I am rapping about, um, yeah, I actually, I think with that one, I'm rapping about the tea and the teapots. So I'm rapping about how leaves unfurl when the water goes on them. And then my brain just goes, oh, that rhymes with third world. That right, you can talk about the third world now. So, so, so you, I, I, thought, I thought that you had already decided you were going to go to the third world and working backwards figured I'll do it. So you got to unfurl and then you didn't know where you were going yeah. until you got until into your head popped the third world. Yeah. And I think that's much more fun because it, it then can go anywhere and you're forced to justify and make connections. So like if, if unfurl I'd rhymed with give us a twirl, 
right? I can't just put that rhyming. People are like, well, why does that make sense? So I would then have to justify it by being like, you know, maybe I'd rap about uh, exploiting Chinese tea farmers and like dehumanizing them by being like, oh, act sexy for us. And then the rap goes in a different direction or you know, anything like that. It's, it's, it's hard to explain because it happens in a split second. And the way I kind of describe it is when I get off stage, I don't remember what I've rapped about. Um, and that is because it just happened subconsciously and in like a flow state. People will go, oh, you know, I'll, I'll know if the rap's bad because I'll remember what I rapped about. That's when it's- This reminds me of Pete Coriolis routine, Dan. Pete Coriolis is a bit about the guitar. And he said, if he, if he didn't actually see somebody do it, he would have told you it was impossible or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, like what he's describing, if I told, it just doesn't seem possible, right? It doesn't seem like it could be done. Well, it may not be possible for everybody. I mean, it, 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 now you come from the rap world. You, before you were doing comedy, you were just doing freestyle rap or you were always doing- uh, it, no, no. it was a kind of weird one. I, I started rapping when I was 12, but it was purely for my own personal enjoyment. I never went, I was too young to go to any kind of like rap concerts or kind of, and, and the one time I went to a freestyle kind of gathering, it was just awful. Like the people rapping there were just so bad. And I was like, oh, why would I get involved with people who suck? Because you shouldn't, you know, it's like if you're a comedian, you hang out with bad comedians, you're not going to get better. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just rap on my own. And then I started doing improv when I was like 18, when I went to university. Then realized that my freestyling was pretty good because you do all these, you know, like whose line is it anyway style. Like Wayne Brady's famous for doing great freestyles on whose line. I'd just do those kind of games and then start doing stand up. And it was after about three years of stand up that I started doing my freestyling in my stand up. Because initially I just thought it was gimmicky and lame and not, you know, uh, something that shouldn't be on a stand up stage. And then increasingly people who knew I did it were like, do it in your stand up. Like you need, if you do that, it's just such a closer. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. And then I actually realized, oh, I really love it. And kind of unfurled in me, oh, using that word again, this, this desire to perform and like, I don't want to be a rapper, right? That's the thing. I'm not, I don't write raps that aren't comedy raps. I much prefer being in stand up clubs than I think I would in like music clubs, but I, I love that moment on stage where I get to be this kind of showman. Um, and the tour show I'm working on at the moment and have been doing for a couple of years is, is like a musical comedy rap show. And I essentially, I present that as like, this is a rap show. It's obviously a comedy show, but there's like raps and songs in it. And I love those gigs that I get to kind of stunt on the crowd and be, live out this little kind of fantasy of being a rock star, essentially. Where, uh, I, so there's a whole world, I guess, of freestyle rappers out there that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. where, where do you, where are you, on their hierarchy in terms of your ability? Because you're the first guy I've ever seen that really does this. Mm. Um, you have to be careful because some of them are very uh, territorial and protective. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, I'm very lucky in that, I think the way I do it, no one else does it in that way, right? Because I'm coming at it from the comedy side, I'm trying to be funny and I'm trying to be smart with it. I'm not trying to be like, most of the freestyle rappers are also just rappers in their own right. And so they're making songs, they're, like, their main income is not freestyle shows. It's like doing albums or doing live shows and then they'll freestyle as a kind of thing. Um, there's a couple of us that do stuff on YouTube. Harry Mack is a very big name and a very, very good freestyle rapper. But again, he's a, he's a rapper. So like his freestyles are just like lyrically and flow wise, just so great. They sound like real rap songs. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to do, do they that get stuff from the audience too, or is that your, uh, yeah, Harry does, um, he raps about like, he'll take words and stuff, but like his videos that go super viral, he'll just go and rap about people as well. Um, in the audience, 
But I mean, like the, the idea of rapping just about words is, you know, what else would you rap about? MC Supernatural is like the kind of the founding father of freestyle. Um, and so like a lot of what freestyle rappers do are things that he kind of started doing. Um, yeah, it's, there's not many freestylers. Like there's a lot of them are battle rappers as well. Like Corey Sharon, he does wild and out as well. And he's, he's a great freestyler. Did you ever see that clip when Shaquille O'Neal did freestyle a rap about Kobe Bryant like 10 no. years ago? No, that, I did not. That, that happened at the underground. It got millions. It went viral all over the world. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I didn't see that, I'm afraid. TMZ, I was going to say his eulogy or something. I was like, so I know he spoke at Kobe's memorial service. I was like, wait, he didn't freestyle rap the head, did he? I want to speak. Let me try a little bit about that. I want to speak to you about Kobe. For those who think that you know me, Kobe was a friend, but it came to an end because Kobe in the chopper, it made a big... Uh, I fucked that up. But, you know, I was getting something going. But um, Kobe was in the helicopter. And let me tell you something. It was not... When he passed away, that was the only thing people were suggesting for a week at gigs. Like any suggestion I was asking for, it was always Kobe Bryant. And it was like that thing of having, once I've had a suggestion, I try not to take it again. Um, so you rap by it once. And that's a weird thing. People always go, oh, but how do you rap about difficult things like that? Aren't you worried you'd say something abhorrent or offensive? So you just kind of like, it, it doesn't, it's weird. It doesn't happen. Like when I was rapping about Kobe, I was rapping about all I knew about Kobe as a, 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 an athlete, right? Rather than the accident because you don't want to upset people. How much do you feel of this talent of yours is just from having done it for so long? Uh, or and how much do you feel is innate uh, ability? Seems like there has to be a lot of the latter involved. Mm, I, th I think so, yeah. I, I think that... I run workshops and I teach people how to freestyle, but I can't teach them the way that I learned it. Cause I think I learned it just as this ridiculous, like not realizing you were meant to be able to do it. Um, I was just kind of rapping in my bedroom, but yeah, I think some of it is innate, but that's, I don't want to put too much kind of praise on myself for that. Like you can learn how to freestyle rap to an exceptional level. I'm sure. Um, I think what makes me able to do it the way I do is I'm just very fortunate to have had a, a really great education. Like I, I grew up valuing knowledge and valuing intellect. And so right, that's what I was going to say is that it seems like in addition to this talent, I mean, you have to really be so knowledgeable about so many things to be able to effectively do that. I mean, there's something about it that reminds me of um, how Judah Freelander does crowd work. Okay. Like he just knows, like you can, uh, he's, you're from some random town in Germany and Judah can just like riff on that for, you know, I don't know, 10 straight minutes. Like yeah, but Judah, uh, you know, J yeah, Judah's great, but, uh, but Judah, you know, prepares and, I'm, you know, from time to time he, he will build that act by coming up with something new, but he has his go-to things where, where Chris is, is, you know, coming up with it every night and even doesn't want to do the same thing twice right which is crazy if you think about it like like most comedians most performers of any kind they hit on something that kills or is really great right. they, they go back to that because it's such a good feeling you know but he 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 wants to stay live he wants to he wants to be without a net all the time essentially yeah it's because what i get from it is the the thrill the rush of operating on that kind of tightrope um like and it's it's a it's a challenge to put on yourself because say you're rapping about 
a suggestion comes up and you know that you've made a really good rhyme before about this, there's that urge to be like, oh, when I drop this rhyme, they'd go crazy. But then stopping yourself to try and find the best rhyme. It's like, the, it's a stand-up thing of, right? Don't, the first punchline you write might not be the strongest one. You've got to write the fourth or the fifth or the sixth to find the good ones. And I think pushing past that brings its kind of own creative rewards. I mean, theoretically, you could, you could go home and just kind of come up with all kinds of rhymes for different things, you know, um, that you'd have prepared to get into if anything right. was related to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but then but it's- Tea is a drink, so maybe you'd have a whole bunch of rhymes ready to go for drinks. So if mm -hmm. somebody suggests tea time, you'd have that, that tool in your tool chest. Yeah. Theoretically, I'm wondering. But yeah, you, you could, I just, I don't know. When people say like, why don't you rap out the same thing again? I'm like, it doesn't interest me. Um, and one of the things that's fun, like just for I was on with you guys, I do live streams on my YouTube where like my fans who, this is the difference. Like a general audience don't know me, I'm not well known. So when I do the rap, they're, they're impressed by it being like, wow, we didn't think he could do this and he can do it. What I like is when I rap for like people, my fan base essentially, um, I like that they know I can do it. So what they do is they push me as hard as they can with their suggestions. They'll be like, oh, rap about this if you can. And they'll come in with really hard suggestions and they'll suggest beats. So I end up rapping on like super fast beats that I wouldn't do live because you have to make it accessible for the audience. And those are my favorite raps. Like today there were a couple of raps where someone was like, hey, rap like Kanye in Through the Wire where he raps without moving. Like he had his jaw wired shut so he couldn't move his jaw. And so I did a rap where I didn't move my teeth at all in the rap. Well, the next uh, level is ventriloquism freestyle rap. Yeah, exactly. I tried <laughs> that before. It is exceptionally hard. Um, I, I, on the streams, I rap in different accents as different characters. Someone like, you know, rap about E.T. in the voice of Jar Jar Binks, which, I, you know, is less likely to come up live because people would be like, that's a, why would you try and be that challenging? Whereas on the streams, people know I can do it. And so they're just trying to push me to the limit of, of how... Well, I had a, I had a question I wanted to ask you about. Um, I'm trying to figure out wh wh this this ability that you have, and I mean, you, you know, a lot of it's innate, as we were discussing, or I I imagine. I wonder how it manifests itself in other ways. I mean, is there are there other things you can do in life that are extraordinary that are that yeah, polite, play, play upon the same you know brain. <laughs> activity or whatever um like you have an incredible memory do you are you a great ma mathematician so that's the i think this is it's weird because it is pretty much just put down to the freestyling like i i actually have a terrible memory a, a terrible conscious memory like i can definitely access stuff in the flow state so when i'm rapping that's why i suddenly go oh i know all this stuff about the topic but i have no and i did i did like a whole show about this kind of paradox where I would rap about anything the audience would say, but then I had no memory of like the last 25 years of my life. Um, this is what I show when I was 26, I'm not I'm 30 now, but yeah, I have a very poor long-term memory for fact, not for facts, but for people and events. And I can never remember where I've been on holiday. I, if someone says, oh, do you remember we've been here before? I like my wife, I've upset her many times. She'll be like, you remember we were here? And I'm like, we've never been here before. And she's like, here's a picture. I'm like, no, that's, that didn't happen. Um, math at school, how were you in math? Uh, awful at mathematics, that was one of my, I mean, oh no, I was, okay, I was still very good at it, but it was my worst of my subjects, like, Oh, I, what, what a, what a, <laughs> what a revision. Um, <laughs> so, well, no, just, because, I don't know, I'm, I'm, one, the thing I'm most grateful for is that, like, my parents super valued my education over, like, holidays, like, I got, I got sent to a really great school, and they paid for that rather than, 
going skiing or whatever. They didn't ski. Uh, sounds very posh. But yeah, I, I, I kind of had this like hardworking ethos put in me. But I, I re- I'm very bad at many other things. Like I suck at sport. I can't. Pl- I used to play guitar, but I gave up because I was really bad at musical instruments. Um, I'm. I think the rap is the main thing. Well, maybe <laughs> it's fine. Like I don't mind that being my one superpower because I really love it. But yeah, I, I. I wish there were maybe other things that this worked for, but I don't think it does. I don't think it translates to like you know being a genius at gambling or probability or anything. Well, no, I, I think we were having a discussion once whether musical brilliance translates into anything else. Like you could be a brilliant musician and an, and an idiot in everything else. Yeah, not usually an idiot. Not, not usually. usually. Usually I find that people who are really talented, um, they're, they're, not, they're not in anything. They're, you know, if they can do anything at a very high level, they're usually not idiots because to do there, there's – there's very few things, including music, that to do it on a really high level don't require other abilities. You know, you, when you, if you're a really good musician, um, it, it's more than just your musical ability. You have to think about things. You have to have, uh, you have to have taste. You have to have, you have a lot of things which, which come with that, I think. So usually in my, in my experience, um, you, I find that musicians can be very primitive, like in a sense, like, you know, in... in, in which is really just another way of saying not embarrassed about being very open about the things that they're, they're interested in and don't, they don't put on any airs. I find musicians are like that, but I, I don't find them to be so often like the bottom 25% of intelligence. I'd say that unless they're like savants or something. I, I always found that one of my favorite things about doing comedy is like green rooms for me have always been very like intelligent places. Like I think comedians are super, super smart people. I think you have to be to kind of have a grasp of the world. I agree with that. I always say that. I think that comedians by and large are exceptionally intelligent. I think comedians- But, but, but even, like, even like high level athletes, if you're one of the best players in the NBA or in the NFL, then maybe in a certain position, it doesn't, but definitely if you're a quarterback or something like that, uh, you got to have a certain level of smarts on top of the athletic ability. I, I, I think, you know, maybe if you're a, just some guy on, on, the, on the line, you know, taking hits, maybe in that case, it doesn't apply, <laughs> but I'm not sure how much athleticism goes in that. But when I hear comedians and Noam debating, which they often do because that's Noam's thing, even boxers, go ahead. I don't feel that they're on his level, by and large, in terms of their logic. Uh, certainly not in terms of their knowledge, because most comedians, about politics, because that's Noam's whole thing in life is politics. But even in terms of their logic, I, I, I'm not seeing, they, they, I think they're great at comedy and decent at intellectual discussion, but not, his, not necessarily. Well, that's my, that's my point. I'm saying they're usually not, they, they can only be so bad. You know. And comedy, of course, is intuitively, related to intelligence, but I'm taking it a step further. And I, I think that there's intelligence that goes into most skills, even if it's not apparent at first, most people have to think in some way to get really, really actors, anybody they have at some point, you have to be able to analyze what am I doing? How do I get it better? And that, and it requires some intellectual fire or some, you don't have to be Einstein, but I'm saying some. What, 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 so uh, Chris, um, and I think actors are the, you know, the, the worst, but go ahead. Go ahead. So <laughs> barely a talent. <laughs> very general question, but I think I think a, 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 an interesting one in your case, especially, is where do you go with this? This is so not mainstream. I mean, you know, a lot of comics they become writers, they become actors. Mm. Um, freestyle rap doesn't necessarily lend itself to acting 
for writing scripts. Although I'm, you probably could do that if you were, if you, if you, if you tried. But you know, what's the natural progression for a freestyle rapper? Just a big special on Netflix. Yeah. So that, the interesting thing with that is, like, I've chatted to my, um, like, my management about, like, you know, goals and things. And obviously, I'd love a, a you know, a big, big time special. Um, and with that, like, we had the chat that, look, if you're going to do a, if, a Netflix special, for example, it can't be just freestyle, right? And the thing is, my my hour long shows. I've done so many festivals around the world. I've done seven separate hours that I've toured and the majority of them have only had two freestyles in at most. So each one's like 45 minutes of stand-up, 10 minutes of freestyle. But what what led to me working on my current show, which is currently called Rap God, um, because we're, uh, you know, although some people are like, wait, are you actually saying you're Rap God? You're like, no, that's a sarcastic joke. Obviously, I'm not. But with that, it is much more focused on the written musical comedy, right? If you think of like a Bo Burnham show, it's, you know, it's stand-up, it's funny songs. It's kind of much more like that, but if you, I mean, not to equate it on the same kind of level of achievement, but yeah, the, those, that show has two freestyles in and the freestyles in it are much more, I think you can watch them back afterwards and enjoy them even if you weren't in the room. Because I feel that the, translating the freestyle from a live environment to a taped environment is difficult, uh, which is why I like a lot of people who watch my videos like, oh, I want to see the audience's reaction you'll find that the videos that do well are ones that show the audience because people want to be put in the shoes. They want to empathize with how those people felt. Um, so I think working on the, that written show is probably the next step as in like this, you know, a musical comedy uh, show rather than just a freestyle show. So, uh, so, hi Val. So I, I have a couple more questions before we go. Wait um, Val, you're muted. That value it looks like you have Vaseline on the lens in a 1970s uh, penthouse spread. <laughs> Not the greatest uh, um, lighting in anything, but uh, we just just briefly to uh, introduce Val Scott, who's one of the managers at the Comedy Cellar, a co-worker and a friend, I dare say, and she is joining us from lockdown in her neck of the woods, which I think is Queens or Brooklyn. Um. Uh, the Bronx. <laughs> or the above, the Bronx. Let me, let me get, let's just get back to Chris for one second. So, so I wanna, when, you, when you were watching yourself, I noticed you uh, kind of grooving to the beat and everything. And I'm wondering, seemed to me, that you were also cr critiquing your own um, musical chops there. How, you know, where you were, were you behind the beat, ahead of the beat, were you in time, that, that kind of stuff. That stuff's important to you? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, also, I hate watching myself perform. Um, so I must I sympathize with uh, other people who hate watching me perform. But yeah, like, watching stuff back, you're going, oh, I should have should have rhymed this or oh, I flubbed that line. Um, or oh, that wasn't very good. Um, and because you know, I always watch myself to try and figure out what can I get better at. And I, I like that I can ask my like, fat super fans, people who I'll chat to, online who were like, hey, have you thought about trying this? And they'll be like, oh, you should kind of focus more on your movement on stage. So now with like the raps I'm doing now or um, was doing before we got locked down, I was actually focusing more on like kind of delivering it in like a kind of physique that looked like, oh, I'm actually a rapper. Um, and I'm always trying to work on what can I, how can I tweak the raps? Um, which is weird because obviously they're improvised, but you know, going like, oh, maybe this rap should have more act outs or more accents or more characters or more similes, more punchlines, whatever it is. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm sure as a musician, you, you know, listen to yourself play and you go, oh. yeah. No, go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, that was it. Like, oh. yeah, like surely we all do that. We kind of watch ourselves back and go, oh, that's annoying. Should have done this. Um, of course. Um, 
And then you know, the other question, you talk about similes, that, 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 that reminded me of that Shaquille O'Neal rap. Maybe I'll play it. But uh, on gimmicks, and said, you, you said at first that you were worried that uh, it was a gimmick and that, and that um, it, it dissuaded you for a while. You hesitated to do it. Uh, and you've come to terms with it. What is your feeling about um, gimmicks? Uh, do, you, do you regard them as gimmicks? I, I, so I think it's because initially when I was started doing stand-up, I was like a deadpan one-liner comedian. And that was because those are the comedians I liked. I loved watching comedians who just did jokes. And I had this like strong opinion that comedians I was friends with who focused on delivery. I was like, oh, you're just elevating weak material. It's all about the joke itself. A joke should be able to be just read. You are the co-median, the median by which the jokes flow through. Um, and then I became less 19 years old and less arrogant slowly um, and started to be like, oh, well, if it, you know, because I just wanted to be a comedian. That was what I wanted my job to be. So I was like, well, if this is going to get me to close shows, then I should be doing this. And I kind of initially, and this is even still a recent thing, like with my shows, I was always like, oh, I should be meaningful. Like we just watched the other night, my wife and I are watching a lot of um a lot of classic movies. We watched Sullivan's Travels, the Preston Sturges comedy film, which is about um, a film director, a Hollywood film director, who's like so successful with his comedies. And they're not critically acclaimed, but they make people laugh. And he wants to make a, a, a serious film. And the Hollywood age, uh, studio producers are like, no, you can't, only make a comedy. And then throughout the film, he learns, oh, comedy has as much value because it makes people laugh. And the final line is like, you know, laughter is all that some people have. And I think even in the last couple of years, I've realized that, oh, it's just fun to do an hour of comedy rather than an hour of comedy with a message, at least for me, because I struggle to convey any kind of emotion or seriousness. There, there are those who, who, who I hear all the time talking about how comedy is about speaking truth to power, that we're the truth tellers, uh, which is fine if you want to do that. But mm -hmm. I don't, I, I always protested against that line of thinking insofar as, Yes, that's something you can do, and great if you can do it, but it's not, Mitch Hedberg didn't do it, and... Okay, so my, my feeling is that it's, that it's all backwards in a sense that you, whatever came before you, whatever categories or genres people who lived before you have left behind them, that should not be any kind of straitjacket to you doing whatever it is that you want to do in whatever way you want to do it. I mean, you're an entertainer. And if people, if people love it and it's original and, and it's natural to you um, and it's, and it's the expression of real talent, which, you know, sometimes the word gimmick can mean like hack, but it, this is not hack. This is something that almost nobody can do. Then, then who cares why that that no, that it hasn't been done before? That who who have who would have the nerve to say no 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 because Mitch Hedberg or whatever he left this genre the way it needs to be and it, it shall be truth to power and whatever it is. So therefore, drop that drop that amazingly creative, talented thing that you do and try to be more like him. I I think that the genre it, people the genre does become a straitjacket sometimes. The format does become a straitjacket, and that will choke off a lot of originality and. You know, just as a total aside, but somehow related to my head, I've noticed that, for instance, if you listen to like Spanish music from the 40s to, you know, to now, it's very, very, very salsa, let's say. It's very, very, very similar. I'm sure there's, you can detect modern in it, but 
Whereas for a long time, genres in American music would change drastically, like every seven years, like just overnight, you would, you know, you, you could date decades in a way that you couldn't. And that's because America, for whatever reason, has this very dynamic culture about it and, and maybe also the diversity, whatever it is. But I guess what, I, what the way it comes together in my head is that if anybody during that time had ever considered the music that came before them as limiting of what they couldn't, couldn't do. And I guess that did happen. Then you can't play, Dylan can't play electric guitars. I mean, you, you always see this where people try to force somebody with a new idea to, to exist within what came before them. So fuck them. I don't, I don't think it's a, I think gimmick is, is a pejorative word and I don't think it's a gimmick. I think that's what you do. And no one else can do it, and and you're born to do it, and I think it's great. You're not, you're not bringing a chimpanzee on stage, you know. Oh, I haven't told you about my new act. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it was just me internalizing my own thoughts on comedy because I, I wanted to be this like great comedian who said something because I was 19, and of course you want to be that when you start out. Um, and then it was it's just increasingly now. I mean, chatting to my director for the show that I'm working on. She was like, you need to start thinking of yourself as an entertainer with this show, not just a comedian, not just a rapper. And I'm like, oh, and, like, and when you think about that, you'll deliver the show better because you're allowing yourself like, you know, because in this show, there's bitch, you watch it, she goes, you tell a joke. And it's like, you almost apologize. Like, can you imagine then she names some famous British comedians like them ever apologizing for telling a cheesy joke? No, they sell it. And they're like, yeah, you're lucky to have that great job. That was oh, boom. I'm giving my heart. And I am now like so much, I think a big part of it was moving to America, moving specifically to LA, um, where when I started freestyle rapping at shows here, people get it more, right? Because America, right? Like hip hop and comedy just are so much bigger over here than in the UK. So I'd start freestyling and people would be like, oh, yeah, I used to love freestyle. My friends growing up, wow. Whereas in the UK, people would be like, "Cool, I guess that's a cool thing." Like they still liked it, but they didn't understand freestyle. Um, whereas here, and like one of the great things about playing the cellar is like so many of the comics and the hosts, like we were chatting about freestyling, and they'd tell me stories about growing up with like big rap names, and I'm like, "No way!" And you think my rap is good? Oh, I feel so special, dude. Um, I remember Biggie Smalls on the street. Wow. I remember. <laughs> uh, I, I can remember it vividly because I was so taken with the quality of his voice. I remember walking by and saying, "What the fuck?" And and it, and it always stayed with me. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't the the rapping that I remembered? You know, I'm sure it was good. It was this just what is it, mellifluous? It's just this beautiful quality yeah. of his voice and the way he in the way he did it that stayed with me. And then, like a couple years later, I'm like, "Holy shit, that's the guy I, I saw on the street." So yeah. Right. Now. So I'm sure wow. the other guys, you know, uh, saw him too. Um, <laughs> so Val is here. Chris, you know Val. I do. Hello. I love to see Hi, you. How are you? Val used to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Val, what's going to happen? How, first of all, how are you doing? You're getting unemployment and everything? Getting unemployment. Uh, I just got over being sick uh, this week. What? COVID? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I tested positive and, you know, but uh, yesterday was like the third day I had no fever. So I'm feeling. Well, how bad was your illness? About a week. No, but how bad was the, the symptoms? Was it like the worst um, you ever had? Moderate? I, I would say it was mild. I had high fever, headache, body aches, no sense of smell or taste, uh, no respiratory problems. So 
That's the but point. overall, I mean, it was an it wasn't a great experience, but it wasn't as bad as like other people that I know have had. Now it's awesome to have been through it, right? I mean, like, what a relief to have been through it. I feel better that I've been through it because now I feel like okay. You can go Maybe out. I have antibodies. Maybe I can go out more. I don't know. You know. Yeah, you probably have antibodies. I mean, you'd think by now they would know if 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 you could get this twice. I don't know. Was that terrible if, feedback? If, I actually actually think he didn't hear you. Oh, go ahead. But I think I uh, a friend of mine who had it about a month ago, and then when he went in for an antibody test, it came back negative. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a lot that they still don't know about it as far as like, well, there's a lot of false, I'm sorry. There's a lot of false negatives and false positives on this. Stuff. Also, there's this thing called the base rate fallacy where if something has a, like something, something could have a small, a, some, a test can be 95% accurate. actually. False uh, readings, yeah. even though um, uh, the test is 99% accurate because it's accurate inside. But anyway, um, so, you know, who knows if they have the antibodies, don't have the antibodies. Um, I, 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 would, I, would, I would not jump to any conclusions even based on tests right now. From what I'm reading, that's what I'm Oh, yeah, because there's so many tests out there that haven't been approved by the mm-hmm. FDA. So there's a lot of, like, false negatives, a lot of false positives. So... But now Perriel claims to have had it as well. But um, she, claims to have had it. But she she was, <laughs> she, she was well, diagnosed, I had a test. <laughs> diagnosed by a, she was diagnosed by a fortune a, a telephone fortune teller on the psychic hotline. <laughs> no, I, I had the swab up my nose, so I, I <laughs> that was worse than anything I've ever been through. Wait, wait, oh, I, I had that swab. The 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 tests that they do for COVID. Oh. It's a very long Q-tip that they shove up your nose. So it's Ooh. very uncomfortable. It's, it's even longer for us Jews. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going for an STD test uh, when I started dating a girl and the we get there and she was like, she came out and she was like, oh, it's so invasive when they like swab you. And I was like, what do you mean swabbing? She's like, they don't swab you. And the, the nurse on, she was like, oh yeah, we used to put swabs up men's penises, but now we have technology that makes it much less comfortable. It's now just like weeing in a pot. And then she went off on a tirade about how medicine is affected <laughs> by men. And therefore, of course, they'd develop a swabless test for men, whereas women still have to have swabs put on them. And I was like, that is a very good point and very true. They haven't invented a prostate test that doesn't involve a finger in your ass. <laughs> so, touche. <laughs> guys right. like that, though, don't they? Uh, the guys like that. Yeah, your guys like that. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, so what else, Val? Dan, you have some questions for Val. <laughs> Dan, you're, you're, we lost Dan's you, Dan. Dan's muted. Dan's muted. That looks worse than muted. That looks like your mic came unplugged. Because I don't see the mute thing. You look so puzzled. Maybe, maybe sorry, I, but, sorry my, my Yeti mic was on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, has all the GoFundMe money been uh, allocated yet from the comedy seller? I don't know. If, I know that Linda's in charge of that, but I don't know if you have any. I actually spoke to Linda yesterday, and that's been a very big job for her. To There's, there's certain limitations as to how much money you can take out and how many transactions can happen per month. 
Um, so she's just, and also her bank has been freezing her account several times, I guess, because of the amount of money. So, but she's slowly but surely getting there. So what do you mean? GoFundMe doesn't just release all the money. There's a whole slew of like rules and how you can allocate this money and how much money can be released. And I don't know if that has anything to do with Linda's bank or if it's GoFundMe, but she's, you know, like every day she can only take out a certain amount of money and she can only do a certain number of transactions per month. Can I just go back to something? Cause I never really thought it through, but it's really interesting actually, if I think I get this right. If you imagine a test which is 95% accurate and 5% false positives, and let's say you have a disease which 5% of the population has, or antibodies, 5%. So out of 100 people, you would have five, or out of, I guess, out of, out of uh, 95 people, you'd have approximately five of them who didn't have it would test positive. And you would also have the five who actually did have it who would test positive. So you'd basically have an equal number of people who, even though the test is 95% accurate, you'd have an equal number of false positives to positives within, mm -hmm. a, within 100 people if there's, if there's only a small number of people who actually have it in the population. That's pretty interesting, right? When you yeah. think about it. So that, I, I, I already said earlier on I wasn't good at maths. No, but you will follow that, Chris. You follow that. <laughs> I do follow that, yeah. Yeah, and, and um, uh, Perry, Perry, I'll explain it to you later, but it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that is, what's at, that is what's going on here, because especially as in, where, in places where few people have this stuff, and even if the tests are pretty accurate, there's a lot of false results, a lot of yeah. false results. Um, so go ahead. So, I didn't get tested because I figured I knew I had it. What difference does it make if I get, and the tests are all fucked up anyway. I'd rather just wait listen, and get the antibodies test. Listen, if it, was heartbeat, if it was heartbeats, I would understand that logic. You don't know that you had a COVID. Of course you do. Okay. I the mean, doctor didn't you know suggest that you get a test. You she, know enough. Go ahead, Dan. You know enough to know that you should err on the side of caution and stay home. And, and yeah. Exactly. No, that's I, not exactly what you said. That I didn't. No, I, but I mean, there was no point in, I'd rather wait and get the antibodies test now so that the only useful thing for me is if I can donate plasma for somebody. Who gives a shit if I got a test that tested positive or not when the numbers were so off? I mean, look at what happened to Pete, Lee, and Jamie with this girl. They, they might not have had it. We were, were, it sounded like they had it, but maybe they didn't. I they mean, tested negative, Val, just to put, bring you up to speed, even though they had symptoms yeah. that seemed to indicate that they had it. So, so um, what, now, us as comedians, you know, uh, we, we, we kind of, whatever happens, we're going to still do stand-up. You know, uh, now, as somebody that's a manager at the Comedy Cellar, what thoughts are you having in terms of going back to the comedy cellar, you don't know when it's going to open. Um, um, I mean, I, I honestly don't think we're going to be open anytime soon. Mm. As far as like, uh, you know, the subways, I think the subways and the homeless situation, I just feel like that's really going to prevent us from moving forward as far as like the city opening up again. So what are, you, what, what are your thoughts as to your, as your future, your job future? I mean, have you thought about I think that? eventually we will, but I don't think it's going to happen personally. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. 
Are you looking maybe, to other? Maybe next year, early next year, hopefully. But I don't see how we can have people getting on subways, going to work, dealing with the, you know, the public, and not knowing if, did you pick up something on the subway on your way to work? Are you giving it to someone at work? Are you giving it to customers? Are they giving it to you? There's a lot. There's a lot to think about. Hey, Val, how do you feel about, so, so, everybody, so everybody's making approximately $1,100 a week to stay home, right? Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the fact that- That's unemployment insurance you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And that will go on until when? Just indefinitely? Until the crisis is over? Uh, I think initially it's 90 days, so it's three months, and then the, depending on what happens in the city, if they say- restaurants and clubs and bars can open, then we'll have to reapply. I think it's like every three months you have to reapply. They're going to extend it at least once. I'd yeah, oh yeah, they'll definitely extend it. That, so, that, that is gonna, like 4,400 a month. So is that enough to cover like New York rents and bills and stuff like, is that covering things? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, I can, you know, I've had savings. It's, you know, I, I you know, it's covering my expenses, um, not taking cabs i'm not taking the subway so that's a huge wait val let me, so let me ask you the question i wanted to ask you so this is 1100 hours a week and, and that's um not taxable or it is taxable you can choose to have the taxes taken out when you first sign up for unemployment but so it is taxable eventually so it is yeah so at the um next tax season okay. if you didn't opt to have that money taken out you have to pay it so anyway so it's a it's it's more or less, you know, um, what people are making. And, and given the fact that they're staying home and basically not spending any money like they normally do, nobody's, um, uh, uh, from what I understand, people are all right. They're, they're hanging in there okay. I think most people are doing okay. So how, did you, how did you feel about that tremendous amount of money that was raised? Because I, cause I, I was thinking about it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't begrudge anybody extra money and I was happy and, and it was heartwarming to see yeah. how much money came in. But I couldn't help thinking, you know, they're making $1,100 a week and some of them, you know, on top of that have parents or whatever it is. And there are so many people who are really suffering right now. Yeah. And, and you know, is it, it's, it's kind of it's something unfair about the world that the money still, still flows to the, not the haves, but the definitely not the have nots here. And the have-nots are still, you know, in, in great difficulty. And I don't know, how did you feel about that? It, it, it was a, it's an, I mean, it was a lovely gesture. I personally opted out of it. Um, oh, good for you. That's, mainly, very, that's, very, that's very impressive, Val, honestly. Um, I, mainly because I'm concerned about, like, our kitchen guys, like the dishwashers and all those guys. They all, a lot of them have families. They have that's children. Right here and you know back home in like in morocco or you know egypt and i worry about those guys because a lot of them english isn't their first language and navigating the unemployment website was a pain in the ass for someone who does read and you know understand english so i was worried well, we help that. them when i say we i mean liz i think i think liz helped anybody who was having that trouble yeah. but there's but it's truthfully there's another aspect to it which we, we, we have no way of knowing, but I would presume it's true 
which is that some people probably have social security numbers which are not um, valid in some way. Yeah. And yeah. they would never tell us, and we don't want to know actually, right? Exactly. But um, and I have been worried about those people if if they will be able to get benefits. So you know that those that worries me. That worries. Yeah, me. that's what I was mainly thinking about. Like when all that money was raised, that I was like. I don't personally don't feel right taking that money because I'm okay. You know, financially, thank God I'm okay. And that extra thousand dollars is going to make or break me. But I know for a lot of our, you know, especially the kitchen guys, yeah. it's, it's a big deal for them. Yeah. Well, so, good. Did, you know, did, a lot people opt out? did a lot of people opt out? I don't know. Um, I, when I spoke to Linda, I didn't ask her, but yeah, you know, she there. thanked me for not, you know, for doing that. I don't know uh, if anyone else opted. I know there's a high number of people who she has to give the money out to. So I'm assuming not very many. I don't know. By the way, I've gotten some offers for Zoom work. Okay, Zoom shows it pays, say, five hundred, six hundred dollars. I'm I'm wondering whether I should take it because if I make six hundred dollars in a week, I don't get the unemployment. So I, I, I I've been doing a lot of Zoom shows. I mean, I'm not eligible for unemployment because I'm a green card holder, and if I I legally can't claim anything from benefits like that. I had to sign all that when I signed up to be resident here. Um, Go ahead. Do 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 Zoom shows? They're great. I I've been really enjoying them, and you can get quite a lot. Like, and the fun thing for me is. Because it's, it's always, I do like college gigs via Zoom, but then these business lunches where it's always like you know, the, the Q1 results or the business happy hour, you come on and it's like, the thing I miss about doing comedy is not the act of doing comedy, it's the audience, right? It's like the people's faces, it's the people applauding, it's people afterwards coming up to you being like, hey, can I get a photo? Or like, hey, that made my evening. And with Zoom, you get that because you see them yeah, all. Dan the doesn't get that part of comedy. He does so, so he doesn't understand. Yeah, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> like, sorry, I, Dan. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Tom always hits the same themes. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Norm, if you if you take notes, Norm insults me on never getting laughs. If, if, never getting, if, never if, getting if, laughs. If you had been anybody else, if you had been anybody else, I would have made the same joke. Go ahead. But the point is, it's Noam's favorite note. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> he knows three chords. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And it is, people like it. They're like, oh, thank you. That was really, thank you for cheering up our day, which I know sounds corny, but like it is kind of a big reason why I think we do comedy, right? So and a lot of comics are doing it. You should try it, Dan. Oh, I have Maybe tried it. But I'm, saying, I'm saying, I'm wondering, just from a pure dollars and cents point of view, whether it's, you know, whether it's better not to just take the unemployment. But um, you're worried about that. Take the unemployment, do the gig, and tell them to donate the fee. Yeah. Oh. Donate to Israel. This is a man, but see, I don't, I don't, you obviously love it a great deal. Um, I also need the money, right? Like I have to do the gig because I don't have money coming in from corporates. Or Dan, you just get one gig. Does that, you, then you don't get any. I think if you get a gig $100, you can't get the unemployment. If the unemployment's 1100, yeah. which yeah, I thought was you, lower actually. You can't, you can't take any other money. Oh, okay. Like for that week, then I think you can do it week by week because when you claim your benefits, yeah, it asks you, you do it week by week. So book all you know, the gigs in one week, then. Money. So, so then uh, for that week, you that. wouldn't receive your unemployment. I'm wondering. I but I have done Zoom shows. I'm just 
looking forward. But I wonder, I'm starting to wonder whether or not, I think stand-up comedy obviously is best, obviously it's best on a stage in front of a live audience, but I wonder if this whole thing will give rise to more Zoom stuff, like, like a, a celebrity that wants to do like a, a, a meet and greet or something, a, a Zoom meet and greet with mm-hmm. 100 super fans or 50 super fans mm-hmm. and charge a nice sum of money. Whether the, and you can do question and answers and interaction, whether there's there'll be more of that. There's a, there's a platform that does that. John Cleese is on it. You can pay to have like a one-on-one meeting with him. It's an increasing number of things and a lot of people are doing it. Like I do Cameo, which is that thing where oh, you yeah. can, I know. But like I, I do it as a way to record raps. Like this is a busy time of year for me because it's Mother's Day. So I, I record like three, four minute freestyles about whatever people want. But I've seen like a huge boost in my orders through that since lockdown. Um, and some of them are just people being like, hey, can you just do this to cheer my friend up? But yeah, I think more and more virtual ways of income are going to be getting bigger, especially even, even when this is <laughs> over, will there be a residual effect uh, of, of, of this stuff? Will people be, cause now it's like people are kind of keyed into it. Like, Oh, you know, maybe we could just have a celebrity might want to make some money and say, well, I could just have a, 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 a conference, a, a meet and greet with, you know, a zoom meet and greet with like, I've been doing a lot of college shows and it's been great fun. I'm like, I will, you know, I'm not charging the same that I would for a college gig. It's like, but I'm happy taking half the fee to not have to travel to Arkansas right. to do the gig. It's like, oh, we should just do this more. Um, so that's- but I've watched a couple of these, you know, online comedy shows and it's just, it's still not the same. No, Definitely it's not. not. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's enjoyable for this situation. Yes. Yeah. But I don't see it as a as a long term thing. Once we're completely open, mm. there's yeah. something about even you know doing this. It's better to have a conversation with someone. Okay. But I I think for comedy it's true. But what I'm saying is for something for conferences and talks, you know, say Elon Musk wants to do a meet and greet with Elon Musk. You know, he's history. He's this guy. He's he's you saw oh, yeah. he did right. Yeah. He tweeted yeah. out he's selling all his possessions and he tanked his stock. He, what a, what he like crazy. $13 billion off the stock price by saying, he tweeted, it's overvalued in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously, me- that's obviously mental illness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Three years yeah. ago, in an interview, someone asked me like, you know, who do you think's the most like, you know, impressive person in the world? And I was like, oh gosh, calm down. That noise. Uh, that's the sire. I live on, the, on a street with a fire uh, engine place, fire station. Yeah, and I was like, Elon Musk, oh, he's just so smart. He's either like going to save us or he's a James Bond supervillain. And neither of those have come true. He's just a stoner. That's all he is. (laughs) I think he's very good at PayPal and Tesla. (laughs) You know, when he, when he, uh, sometimes some of his other ideas, like the Hyperloop, I'm skeptical that that's going anywhere. The space stuff may or may not. He said, I think he said that we're going to colonize Mars by some absurd date, like, 24 i mean something that's i i think is ridiculous something but, wrong with this guy what about was it the, what, what, where was it in chile or something where the miners were all trapped at a file or something like this is a crazy person and then his defense was oh pedo guy is a common insult in south africa where i'm from <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mean pedophile it's just Fair enough biden should so try bad. that <laughs> make, uh, make, uh, a mean electric car i i really know you you and i test drove that that uh, yeah, that was Dan and I had a little bonding day one day. Dan drove, uh, took a train out to my town, and we went to White Plains. We we test drove a Tesla together, but I don't think Dan actually drove it. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? You did? Yeah. Um, it was pretty impressive. So no, many. Uh, 
Any political things uh, bothering you this week that you want to uh, get off your chest? Well, I'm just totally in, in, in obsessed and in, enchanted with this Tara Reid, Joe Biden story. Um, but I got nothing particular to get off my chest about it now. I would, I mean, are you, you want to talk about it? Everybody following it? I heard, I heard Tara Reid's interview on a podcast where she discusses what happens. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I can't read her mind, but she was, she sounded sincere. She was crying. Well, okay, I'll just tell you quickly. These are the questions I ask myself. It's hard for me to say, fuck her, she's lying. I mean, no. it, it's, it's very easy to get, um, uh, to, to zoom into something that she didn't say the, the same way twice or some little detail that she maybe even exaggerates uh, even though she's a victim. But these, these are the questions I keep asking myself. First of all, if you hear her story about going in, who she was talking to, where it was, what she said, the forms that she filled out, this is a tremendous amount of detail, almost novelist level detail. And I asked myself, if I was going to make up a lie, would I be able to tell the lie of a whole chapter of my life with that level of detail and specificity, with names and places and things I did and where, I, I, so, you know, that, that I find impressive if she's lying. B, there's like five people who, with various degrees of, of uh, specificity, back up her story that, that, that she told them, told them about it since in the last 25 years. Do you know five people that you could get just for the asking to ruin a man's life on an evil lie who would back you up. Listen, I'm going to ruin Dan Natterman. So listen, I want you to tell them that 25 years ago, I told you the story that Dan tried to read. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, my spouse wouldn't do it. My sibling wouldn't do it. Five people. I mean, it's so implausible to me that she could gather five people who knowingly would lie for her to, on this level of evilness without money, even, but even for money. What if she asked one of them and they turned her down and they, and they dropped the dime on her? So I think that, to the, and, I've, and, I've, and I think it's totally unfair to Joe Biden, all of it, but to the extent that I had to comment on it, I would say that if it's a lie, it's a lie she told on day one, meaning that she told people 25 years ago that Biden attacked her in some way and she's basically stuck to that story all these years and now she's decided to go public with it. I don't believe... It's plausible that this is something she just made up because she fell in love with Putin or is a Bernie Sanders supporter. I, I mean, her mother's on Larry King. There's too, there's too much coincidence here. Right? Yes, there's a little inconsistency with the whether she filed a formal complaint or this complaint or that complaint, but she's the one calling for the University of Delaware to look into their records to find the paperwork. So it doesn't really feel like she's making the whole thing up. And, and even one thing where she said that she... She described the form that she had to fill out. And I'm like, well, how does she know about the form that you have to fill out when you're filing a complaint? And then her mother on Larry King said, yeah, my daughter, blah, blah, blah. She, she couldn't get anywhere with it in the office. So we thought we had no, any, no choice but to go to the press. This is what her mother said. What does she mean couldn't get anywhere with it at the office if she wasn't trying to complain? Like this is so much about it that all holds together if you're ready to believe that she didn't just make this story, which doesn't mean she was telling the truth 25 years ago. As we know, people do make up these stories. 
But the fa- all the stuff that they're bringing in now, it's, it's not logically plausible to say that some motivation now, like she loves Bernie Sanders, can be overlaid back in time on her mother's Larry King uh, appearance, on the, on the neighbor who says that she told her the story back then. So these things that they're bringing up to kind of smear her are not relevant to this. If you really want to get to the bottom of it, you bring those witnesses on TV and you, and you, and you question them hard to find out if they're lying or not. But they, how could they all be lying? I, I just don't see it. I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly think she is telling the truth. Um, Joe Biden and, would do that, Val. You know, I, <laughs> it's just, I, at this point, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like uh, a lot, we've all overlooked Trump's indiscretions and all oh, the yeah. accusations that came against them. And no, Val, I don't know. I, that's not our beef with it, Val, you and me. That's not our beef. You know what our beef is? What? The same people who are ready to just overlook this were the same people who were making our lives miserable when Louie came in. The same people threatening yes. to bomb the comedy cellar, attacking the wages on the subway, threatening my kids. Yes. Those same fucking hypocrites yeah. who, were, who, were, who were ready to do that. Like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's a binary choice on voting for Biden. Well, fine. I, I respect you for that. Vote for Biden. And also leave me the fuck alone to do what I want to do with my life. Anyway, that's what bothers me about it. I don't think it's fair. To, to bring up something 25 years later, unless you're going to put everybody under oath and take, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not going to put everybody under oath. So. Can't, we, can't, we can't figure out what happened. No, we're never going to know the, the exact truth, but I do, my gut feeling is I think she is telling the truth, but. But she's an animal rights poet. <laughs> <laughs> that's a job. Amazing. That's even I mean, more than a freestyle rapper. If, I mean, if, if that's not a nutty thing, like, like I, I know that's, that's very uh, bigoted in some way on my part, but like, you know, she's an animal rights poet. I, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm ready to believe she's kooky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, she might be kooky. <laughs> well, that sounds like hype, doesn't she it? She might be telling the truth, which well, I- that's I, right I, up there with, right up there with, you know, she, she wears slutty outfits in terms of, you know, uh, trying to uh, is, discredit is. somebody. I mean, God, the way they're trying to take this woman down. I mean, you think about this. She said, she said, my mom was on Larry King about it. She said this in an interview. Mm-hmm. And they still went into looking into her tweets and her this or that. They didn't even bother to look for the Larry King. Even CNN didn't bother to look at their archives for the Larry King tape. Um, it's some, some right-wing you know, one of these right-wing news organizations finally found the Larry King tape. It just shows how little interest they had in trying to verify the story and how it was all about how can we take this woman down. It's despicable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's always been that way. I, you know, and I, and I think it will always be... It wasn't like that way for Kavanaugh. It wasn't that way for Kavanaugh. You know, no. But, so what do you think is going to happen? Do you think... Nothing. I, th- I think the Democrat... I think that it's going to go away, but I think that, well, Biden is, has elevated the finding of this complaint to a higher level. And if they do find some paperwork, even though the paperwork is not going to say he assaulted her, it's going to make, it's, it, it could be the straw. If there's a death by a thousand cuts here, that could be the thousandth cut. Uh, Chris is nodding. Do you, you think then the, that the DNC will throw in well, another candidate? I, this, is what, this, is, this is what I see. And this is kind of like a chess analogy because my, my, 
my son and I are learning chess, where you have a piece pinned, I think is the terminology they use. I think that because if they passed over Biden to get to Cuomo, let's say, yeah. the, the Sanders people would so freak out that that prevents them from doing it in a way. If Sanders were out of the picture, I tend to think they would take this opportunity to, to press upon Biden to resign, get a, get a, get a robust young 70-year-old in there, and, and um, get, get a candidate who could string sentences together. Because it's a, great, it's a great opportunity for them to get rid of Biden, get Cuomo in there, and, yes. and win-win. Except, Especially considering how popular Cuomo is right now. Except for Sanders, because how are you going to justify skipping over Sanders? And they don't want that civil war. So I think that's what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know, but it's, it's just, you know, I didn't feel, com- I feel comfortable with either one of them because they're too old. I think there should be an age limit to being a president. I don't well, want... I was only 62. No, I'm not... Uh, I don't want a 75 or 80-year-old president. And I think it's, in, they're too old. Latin, when they elect a new pope all the cardinals vote on who the new pope would be. But I think it's at age 75, maybe a little bit older, you don't get to vote on the new pope because you're too old. It's not going to affect you. You're not going to be alive when the new pope... And I'm like, what? The, the Vatican, the Catholic Church are like, yeah, that's a rule. I'm like, what a smart thing. Yeah, cap it. Cap. Can we examine the logic of that for just one final second here? Isn't, isn't, God, isn't the pope supposed to be divinely ordained and inspired and, and the people voting are just the vessel of god i didn't i didn't know that i know that like the dalai lama is chosen right and you just go and you find a child and go oh by the way he's the new dalai lama and you take him um i, I don't know how they think the voting works i thought there's a divine aspect to the election of the pope that's you know he works no, through so much that it's very political you know they're always life yeah who's going to be the one to bring more attention in a positive way to the catholic church um, they're all, highly is. competitive because they all, you know, there are some that really do want to be the Pope. I imagine Chris Turner, being from England, is not Catholic, so probably doesn't have deep knowledge. Yeah, I'm not Catholic either, so. When they split the atom, discovered DNA, and figured out evolution, <laughs> what, what do you think the over-under was on religion staying as, as, as powerful as ever for the next hundred years? I mean, it really, it, it seemed to have no effect whatsoever. It was understandable when you couldn't understand how the sun came up and where the rain came from. Like, I get it. it has well, to be those who, who see religion as evolutionarily kind of uh, part of our, uh, you know, as an evolutionary adaptation, the need for religion. And if that's the case, obviously... We're never getting rid of it. The It'll ingenuity to explain, like people like like Ben Shapiro, who you always talk about, he's a genius, you know, very bright guy. He was a prodigy, went to Harvard at 14, whatever it was. He's a fucking Orthodox Jew, and he's got an answer for everything. I mean, <laughs> a ridiculous answer for everything. And you know what he's saying can't possibly be true. But well, anyway. the desire to uh, not face the reality of an indifferent universe and death is pretty powerful. Uh, <laughs> anyway... Um, I think uh, I'm gonna, uh, we're going we're gonna to play that recording at your funeral, Dan. That'll be, that'll be the, the, the. All right, I think we can wrap it up. Be there, but I wish you luck in terms of outliving me. That is. Maybe you know you're in good shape. Um, okay, so thank you, Chris. Pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry I couldn't contribute anything worthwhile or meaningful to the uh, the latter stages of the debate. 
But I, I hope uh, you enjoyed listening at least. I, no, I, I feel like I've, I've learned you, the, everything to do with the election. I'm like, I have no input. I cannot well, legally vote. When somebody screams out, Joe Biden putting his fingers in Tara Reid, <laughs> you'll have some ability to rap about that because I'm now gonna, you know Yeah, somebody. I'll rhyme Larry That's King. That's a great idea. Yeah. Knowledge is obviously in your profession as well as mine. Well, we're in sort of the same profession. Uh, any knowledge is good. Thank you for coming, Chris. Well, I guess we'll see you at the Comedy Cellar one day. Oh, when, when you're open, I, I will be straight back there. I, 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 so I didn't get to the last time you were there. Uh, thank you, Valerie, for joining us. Yeah. Glad to hear things are going reasonably well for you. Yeah. And you're not, uh, you're not indigent and on the streets. That's good. <laughs> you look good, Val. Keep that Vaseline on the lens. It, it looks very it looks, it looks, sultry. Uh, for for questions, like comments, and suggestions, <laughs> podcast at comedycellar.com. How come Perielle didn't talk this whole time? She did. She talked. Apparently. I can't uh, win. Okay, everybody. I, I can't you. win. Thank <laughs> you for listening, and we'll see you next time. And you can day. follow us at, at Live From The Table on Instagram. Okay. <laughs>